Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Procaffeinators podcast. Everything we say on this podcast is based off of our opinion. The subjects that we bring to the table are subjects we would bring to discuss over a cup of coffee at a local Starbucks. <laughs> or any other coffee institution. Anything that gives me caffeine. Um. Yeah. <laughs> you should have Starbucks at night and include liquor. What? Oh, like... I think they do have that. I think some a while back, Starbucks started doing um, almost like a social. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Did they? With, yeah, with wine. So they had a wine menu and they had a dinner menu hmm. in select locations. But this would be, you know how you can put some liqueur or some type of something that in coffee? And then it would be uh, maybe like a happy, what what is it? Happy hour Friday or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and the, then just add a, that. I would, I would definitely like to, th- I'm not awesome. a big drinker. I mean, you can have the option of drinking coffee, uh-huh. or like a, a Bailey's and cream or something like that. You know, yeah. it would be nice. I think the, the added element that might throw managers or store owners themselves off would be the liquor license. Right, that's expensive. But and then like an the idea. extra hours. But yeah, it makes sense. I mean, right. alcohol sells. Alcohol does sell. Caffeine sells. Alcohol sells. It's a perfect marriage. Any addiction sells. <laughs> yeah, mm, which is sad. <laughs> uh, but sad. How, how is everyone's week going? It was a good week. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, it was very busy. Yeah. <laughs> but that's good. Uh, Sandra, you mentioned something to me today about something great that happened. And I was like, that was this week? It's just been... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's been setting up a bunch of things online and getting things prepared and, you know, working on different projects. So it feels like it's been five weeks. It really, really does. I was editing the video that we had posted on um, Mm. Tuesday. Tuesday is Talk About a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it was already Wednesday. And by yeah. the time I was doing Thursday's video, I had started editing Thursday's video on Tuesday because I just, I had time mm-hmm. and I edited it like the day, two days prior to what I normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like it was days earlier than it actually was. So yeah, it was nice. It was weird. It was really weird, but it was nice. So yeah, this week has been flying by, um, which I think is a, I guess it's a good thing because I feel like I did so much this week and so much happened this week that I guess, I guess it's good that it feels like I guess. The, la, the, that Monday was like two weeks ago. Well, I made a to-do list this morning because I had been working so much on one project <laughs> that yeah. I totally abandoned another three other projects. And uh, so today I was like, oh no, I totally ignored these projects and I made a to-do list. So, um, you know, in addition to my everyday tasks, I have like still seven things on my to-do list Mm -hmm. and it's like, whoa, there's so much to do, but it's good. It's all good. I'm happy to be busy in that way. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, I first of all, the weather has been phenomenal. Yes, so nice. because it's kind. It's very cool. Uh huh. So I've been able to spend a lot of time with the horses outside. So that's been fun, and they're happy. They're happy yeah. when it's cool. Yeah, they look happy. Really nice. I was surprised it was so cold. Yeah, because it, it was chilly, chilly. 
Yeah. For Florida. Everyone was happy. It was the perfect Florida weather. If that was Florida the all year round. Yeah. Everyone would be happy. Yeah. Well, yeah. We that, wish. That's the number one reason we're angry in Florida. You Otherwise, are not angry in Florida. I don't want to be talking to somebody outside in the hot weather. I want to be talking is, outside to someone in nice, yes, breezy, clear weather. Ladies, there is a psychological study that says heat induces anger. Oh, oh really? I understand. And there is, yeah. I talked about it with a Lyft driver last uh-huh. time we were in Chicago <laughs> that she was she was taking psych classes, too. And that was what one of her papers was on that uh, heat versus cold and how it affects us mentally. Wow. And she she was uh, talking about how, oh, I yeah, people in Florida are supposed to be like not that nice, but you're really nice. <laughs> so here's a fun fact you guys probably don't even know about me. I used to teach at a uh, university that was only military personnel. Oh, really? And I taught environmental. Oh, I didn't uh-huh. Environmental this. psychology. Uh, yeah, I, I did it for a f- couple of years, and then I got busy at Nova. But the interesting thing was that that's exactly what we taught the military personnel. It mm-hmm. was like the the light in the room yeah. uh-huh. can cause you to feel or react a certain way. The temperature, too cold, too hot, outside as well. I mean, your tolerance, you know it when it's hot or if you're in pain, you're going to tolerate things less than. So, yeah, all that has, that's a a, a reality, but I don't think that's why Floridians are angry. I think what you're saying really is. I think Floridians are. Uh, the heat people. in Florida no. is a torture device. I am a Floridian. <laughs> I've lived in Florida all my entire life. Us and too. I, I understand. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that Floridians are misunderstood. We are. Okay, yes. And I it's a, in Florida is a melting oh. pot. So when you have all these beautiful cultures that come together, it's always a little bit challenging to understand each other. And that's where sometimes it gets a little bit. I, I let me tell you something, you, but though, I also agree with the heat. Let me tell you something. I love Florida so much because we are a melting pot. It's so hot, we all melt together. So is New York, by the way. Yeah, other than the anger that Floridians misunderstood Floridians feel, um, Mama or Amy, uh, you have the subject. I am today. so excited about that. I've got to put my glasses on, <laughs> but I am super excited because we touched upon it on one of our podcasts when we talked about dreams, dreams right. in general. Yeah, and then we we touched upon dream interpretation, and mm-hmm. that's right. the, that's what we're talking about today. So it was really interesting because I absolutely love dream interpretation, and I think it's something that is so personal. There's not something that you can sit in a room and, and talk about your dreams with someone and then the whole group. It's not like group therapy. You really can't do yeah, group therapy yeah. and dream interpretation. So one of the key things to know that I want to just put out there is that when we do dream interpretation, there's not like a, a textbook that you can turn around and say, oh, uh, if I'm feeling this, this is what's going to happen. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start a little bit with the history. Nice. Uh, and then we're going to go into the, you know, some... Um, philosophies and if you all want to share some dream (laughs) i would love to tap into that brain of yours Uh, and and figure it out i'll try to remember a couple okay so first of all dream interpretation started in egypt go figure why did all egyptians and greece (gasps) 
That makes Greece. sense. Like Joseph and the magical exactly. dream coat. Now we're looking at the Bible, right? But yeah. they thought it was supernatural. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that was, um, oh, dream interpretation. This was really something very heavy duty and and, and uh, important. So they, they really believed that this was a supernatural process right. and yeah. that it wasn't common. So it was held very highly. And then as it transitioned, you know, it was really about kings used to use it not only to figure out things about their kingdom, right. or but they also built their temples based on dream oh, interpretation. So, really? Yeah. So it was Sick. it was pretty fascinating. So, uh, and it's kind of interesting because you figure, oh, if I have a dream, oh, I dreamt that I bought this beautiful house, but the king would go, oh, I I dreamt that I you need to build this temple. So it's That's kind of like it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. So uh, it started with that, and then uh, also in 31 BC, it was very, it was very much used within kingdoms. Okay. So king, that was a very uh, common way of determining how they sh- they should lead, you yeah. know. So, and then in China, it became a lofty pr- principle. There's actually a book called "The Lofty Principles of Dream Interpretation." Oh yeah. Oh wow. Okay, so then China um, brought it into their process of helping people. And then there is actually a book called The Lofty Principles of Dream Interpretation, and it goes into various ways on how to interpret dreams. It doesn't mean that if you dream about a stick, this is what the stick means. Wow. Kind of going back a little bit when the Greeks were using it. Yeah. They used it a lot for healing. Oh, Mm. So they figured that if they were able to dream something about the healing process and then they would create a healing. Like a manifestation kind of Exactly, exactly. That's really cool. So a meditative healing state. Right, exactly. And so then finally it came into the 19th century, which it was introduced by Freud. And we all know how that went. Monsieur Freud. Yes, yes, ma'am. Again... It was used for, as you can see, actually, it was considered very, a very important process of understanding how decisions should be made. And when you take a look at that, you know, that went through all the Middle Ages, then we went to China, then we went into modern Europe, where it was a 17th century, when, um, and then eventually the 19th century, where um, Freud discusses interpretation of dreams. In China, it was um, used a lot by profound thinkers. So it was seen more as uh, like a prophecy-inducing kind of thing or like something supernatural, I guess you could say, until Freud? Right. Well, not so, so much supernatural, but it was very philosophical because the Chinese said, am I dreaming about the moth or am, am I the is the moth dreaming about me? You know, oh I, my gosh. Yeah, I didn't. That's yeah. so cool. So that's where it became very, like, are you really dreaming or is your dream your real life? I mean, you, and you can really mess with your mind if you go right. that far. So I really don't want to do that. <laughs> so um, listeners, just let that sink in. Right. So, I mean, don't, I mean, when you get into that type of philosophy and dream work, then it becomes a little bit, um, a little bit complex and scary but f- what freud really did and this is where i really want to focus on what freud really did was he introduced it to our psyche and to under- really understand who we were 
And he used it first through uh, free association, right? That's how he started. Right. But, yeah. but what he found was that a lot of things Wait, were... I'm sorry. So I don't know psychology as much as you oh. two do. So what's free association? Okay, so free association is basically, I tell you a word. So let's say uh -huh. I say cat. Uh-huh, then dog. Right. Okay. And, and yeah. we do that so that you don't really... Uh, have a thought process you're not cognitively thinking it you're basically free associating which allows me to understand how you're thinking okay and thinking without rules okay so you're free associating things connecting things and that allows me to connect to you and understand how your thought process works okay okay and 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 free association is an incredible tool i mean freud had his minuses in a lot of things mm -hmm. but right. he also we have to introduce <laughs> we have to really understand how strong freud was in understanding human behavior and and although we kind of tweaked his his um theories and we made them better young carl carl young did him you know really kind of filtered it through and cleaned it through yeah. at the end of the day he allowed us to say oh wait a second mm -hmm. let's think this differently so he was very big into what the unconscious did. And we know the conscience is our present mind and the unconscious is what we kind of store away. We know that he introduced defense mechanisms, which yeah. I think dreams are a huge piece to defense mechanisms because what happens is that, you know, our mind protects us mm -hmm. just as our body does. So our mind, when we look at all these defense mechanisms, which we have several, we have about seven of them, uh, one is denial, which is a very layman's term. Oh, you're in denial. Well, denial's not a bad thing. Yeah. And, oh, you're it's projecting. You're projecting your own feelings on someone else. For example, if I tell you, oh, uh, Alexandra, I don't like your hair. And maybe it's I'm not liking my hair. Mm -hmm. Or, um, I mean, there's so many I can name, like the seven. So what Freud did, he turned around and he says, well, this is the way our minds protect us. Okay. And when it's protecting us, sometimes is resolved in our dreams and that's how we turn around and we work on problems yeah he showed us like the power of the subconscious exactly and and how there we need to have an outlet mm -hmm. every time we it's like if you get hurt you scream mm -hmm. yeah that's a, that's good <laughs> that's yeah. good i mean you need to have an outlet because if not it has to be stored somewhere so if you're in pain and you store it especially emotional pain that means that it's contained, and that's not good. Containing mm -hmm. things is not healthy. You need to let them go, right? So he created this beautiful process of dream interpretation. And he did this mostly with females that had prearranged marriages, mm -hmm. and they were extremely unhappy. And that yeah. I, there's a whole class on that, right? <laughs> what he realized was that we would display certain feelings, but where do they go? Mm -hmm. So they go to the unconscious. And how do we have them resolved or fixed? Well, we dream about them. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of a whole new revolution of dream interpretation. And he used visualization. He was very big in symbolism. Mm -hmm. For example, a snake was not a snake. It represented maybe a masculine part of the body. Right. You know, that, so. That's what I know Freud for. Yeah. Snakes, snakes were <laughs> right. phallic symbolism. Yeah, which which it's kind of sad that it turned into you know like that 
that representation of like Freud is known for like sexualizing everything. You know what I mean? Well, it was a huge part of his studies, yeah. Yeah, well, because he comes from a repressed society because he was very much like Victorian age, but Germany. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you look at it, it's like, Mama, what you were saying, where everyone had like an arranged marriage or, you know, the women in the society were going through what's it called? Um, hysteria. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. uh, so he was looking into facts like that. So right, he turned. He actually coined the fro- uh, the term hysterical because mm-hmm. oh. from hysteria. So and that's Wait, all. That, so he was the one who came yeah. up with yeah. hysteria. Yeah, that's oh, why. Well, I, but 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 but, but actually, like you know, him. we have to give him credit. <laughs> and again, you know, this is a whole. In, this is intro to psych, basically. Yeah. But he he was right on target in a lot mm. of things because. Hysteria came from women that were suffering quite a bit because, again, they were in pre um, prearranged marriages. So mm. there was a lot of, um, I mean, it, in today's day, that's illegal in our well, country, it, right? You know, in, in some, our country, it's cultural. It's cultural. Cultural. You're right. You're right. You're right. No, but it would be seen very in, in a social aspect as the, the most terrible thing that would ever happen, unless. Unless it's cultural, we're not talking about culture, but we're talking about as American Western society rules. Right. There's no such thing as prearranged marriages. Right. right. But let me let me just go back because Freud felt that his um, his interpretation of dreams was m- misinterpreted. So Freud, you know, was a little upset that people took the dream interpretation incorrectly and thought that it was all sexual like you're saying and he even said um the royal road to knowledge of the unconscious activities of the mind he was able to express but he regretted that people took that to that it was black and white you know that this is the way it was and he also quoted the assertion that all dreams require a sexual interpretation against which critics rage so incessantly occurs nowhere in my interpretation of dreams and is an obvious contradiction to other views expressed in it, which basically meant that, you know, it didn't, dream interpretation did not always lead to a sexual connotation. Right. Well, that's so, like, researcher-based because, like, you know, obviously the mass public, especially because, you know, sex sells, it's like, that's what they're going to latch on to, especially in a repressed society. Like, oh, he's saying it, relates to this then it's going to be you know like that's going to cause societal hysteria within itself yeah but um like as far as a researcher's point of view you're you're only mentioning this and you're seeing what you see or you're latching on to your own point based off of the research you're doing but you expect people to say well this also happened right communicate with you in that way so it's yeah, it's cool that he it, talked about it. Like he, right. he spoke out against people, even even though it brought him fame. It's cool that he brought up like, hey, there are other ways to look at this. It's not just this way, right? And and again, he began a theory. He opened the door to us evaluating that more. Which that's exactly what happened. Carl Jung took it. Mm-hmm. Carl Jung was um, a student of Freud's. And he manipulated 
he changed it. He didn't think that everything was psychosexual. He also thought that dreams were a deep way of looking into the unconscious, that it was a way to find out what, how human, a human being thought. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it told a story of the human being. And I think that's more where we started understanding that we had a female side, a male side. We get so confused in these, these days of, you know, well, if I dream this, if I dream, if I'm a female and I, I dream that I'm having sex with another female, does that mean that I am a lesbian? Right. And he, he made that very clear that we all have those, the, you know, part of it, the dark, the bright, the female, the, the male. And, you know, um, he even termed it animus and anima. And we, we manifested certain symbols based on our experiences. And I think that's where I love it because when I work with dream interpretation, that's exactly what I want to know. I want to know who you are, what your experience mm-hmm. is. If you love a coffee cup if and you're dreaming about a coffee cup and you come to me and I said, I had this feeling that this coffee cup was bigger than the entire room, right? right? I'm gonna start asking you things about you, but the most thing is, how do you feel about the coffee cup? And it might sound like a very that's uh, so cool psychological. Though. That that's so cool though, because um, I remember in undergrad I took an art art history class. Yeah, and in away from the animals and away from like the cave paintings and things like that. Yeah, um, when in early civilization when you find art the thing that represents the most power to you is represented as a larger figure like it's always larger because they didn't have dimension like they didn't have like what's in close proximity what's far away they only had what they determined to be important and that was larger than the other figures so like if it was a king then he was like this big bulky guy and then there's stick figures and that's his subjects. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, and, and Hall went into that later on, I think it's in the 1950s that he talked about how, you know, we, it's a cognitive process. Dreaming is a cognitive process, which Mm -hmm. is the way we think. So if you are afraid of um, friendship, you may have a dream but it has nothing Uh to do with being afraid of that friend Uh it's about being afraid of friendship so you know there's so many elements to dream interpretation that became extremely powerful because Uh again it started with freud uh carl jung made it stress that it would there there was not a one size fit all you cannot say oh i dream about this that means this that that was like off the table for young and then hall came in and said wait a second dreaming really depends on how we think wait hold on a second who hall i don't know he he was a, a psychologist uh, Calvin S. Hall, who developed the theory of dreams. Oh, and this yeah. was in the, in 1953. Mm-hmm. And he considered it, again, as a cognitive process. And he suggested that dreamers must recognize that there is more than one way to skin a cat, which means that you <laughs> wow. could have the same... <laughs> what um, an analogy. Yeah. And it's like that you can... You, you both can have very similar dreams, and they can mean very different things. And that's where that's I cool. come in, because I absolutely... Love the fact that I can sit with someone and say, tell me about your dreams. And then they start talking 
And my my head's like just going crazy, going, what could right. be this? It could be this. And then the, the, the questions start, which, you know, the first question is, how did this object make you feel? Not the dream. But if, again, we go back to your coffee cup example, right. or my coffee cup example, and if I you said, well, I had a dream about this huge coffee cup, and I was in a room with this huge coffee cup, and my a question is going to be, and, and how are you feeling in that moment when that coffee cup was there with you? And if you, you can say several things, but you can say, I felt safe, mm. right? Uh-huh. Because people would think, oh, she felt like she was being attacked by the coffee oh, cup, yeah. right? <laughs> but you could have. Uh-huh. You could have said, well, I felt like I was being attacked by the coffee cup. True. So the first thing that would come to my mind if you feel attacked, it's like, oh, my God, Angelica doesn't want to do the coffee, the Procaffeinators podcast. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> She's overwhelmed, right? Uh-huh. Or if you say, oh, I felt so safe, you, I'm going to say, wow, she just loves being with us in the Procaffeinators, uh-huh. right? That's my interpretation <laughs> of your dream. But, I mean, you see where it's coming to be so many places that that's so cool yeah i think it's it's really important to understand that how do you feel i and i tell my students this they'll come every time we go through this in class they'll come up and then go professor i had a dream can you interpret it and we really have a good time just talking about well tell me exactly what's going on in your life and I don't remember the specifics right now, but I had so- someone from the rowing team uh-huh. and she came up to me and she asked me about this dream. And then I asked her some questions and she goes, oh my God, it's like if you were a psychic. And I go, you're <laughs> telling me the story. But that's what's so cool about like when I go to you with a dream or if uh, like Sandra goes to you or Papa goes to you with a dream, I always hear, well, how like, how did you feel when this happened? What what did this do or how did you react to this or that? Because what a lot of people tend to do is they go, like I've done it, I go online and it's like, what does this mean? What does it mean that my teeth fell out in this dream? Or what does it mean that I have teeth dysmorphia or whatever? And it'll tell me death. <laughs> it's like you're gonna die or you're scared of dying and it's like oh man that's why you don't google things I hate, right I but hate it's Googling like three dreams. websites will tell you that and it's symbolic right so it's like this um universal symbolism that exists for dreams and what you're talking about and i guess what i've never heard of hall before i'm not oh. a psychology person <laughs> but uh i guess what uh, hall was saying in in the psychological aspect of things is like, you know, which is very true. Every person interprets something right. very differently. It's everyone's perception of right. what the symbol is for them. Well, like yeah. a tooth uh, that doesn't seem quite right in my mouth might be because, oh, I I need to schedule a dentist appointment, but right. I haven't done it. Right. But online it's telling me, yes, you will die tomorrow. Well, I I didn't realize how big dream interpretation and psychics were in the Asian community until I started watching uh, foreign films and foreign TV. Mm-hmm. So, like in um, in a lot of the Korean shows that I watch, there's a psychic or something yeah. that they go to some some shaman some so actually there's an entire series based off of a shaman which is beautiful you should all go watch it it's on netflix and um and when i watch shows in mandarin there's like a psychic that they go to there's also the 
reality TV show called Bling Empire, which is about um, the Asian community or the rich Asian community in L.A., and they even were saying like how much of a big deal it is for the community to, you know, talk, hey, you better consult with your psychic before oh, wow. you make this major decision kind of thing, <laughs> which I think is cool. And they tell you like, have you been dreaming of X, Y, Z lately? And whether you say yes or no, that helps them to determine what's happening with you. Right. Right. I mean, dreams are are complex. And, I, and again, they're very personal. Uh, people study dreams and why, how they, what they mean. And they're called, that's called dream work. It's Mm -hmm. people who study and they, what makes them different than what Freud did is, is like, he'll start with dream workers. will start with your conscious who you are right now and then go into your unconscious Mm -hmm. through a, a, a series of questions. Yeah. So it all depends on what, if you're a psychoanalytic, uh, therapist you're going to go with freud mm-hmm. uh, but if you're really a dream worker and you know and you know you don't have to be licensed but if you're really a dream worker you really understand uh the unconscious the conscious the cognitive way of thinking i mean how we think obviously is going to affect our dreams uh-huh. um i use my own dreams to resolve issues if i've had an issue that i have had to basically keep in because Mm -hmm. there really isn't a solution it's just a problem that's going to be lingering and then eventually you know it it solves itself for example and that happens like an illness there's nothing you can do about it I mean Mm -hmm. other than you know obviously getting treatment but the reality that the illness manifests doesn't go away so sometimes we we stress did I do something wrong did Uh I eat something that I shouldn't have you know all this stuff so it manifests in a dream well, there are theories. Um, a while back, I saw a documentary on dreams, and they were talking about how there's a theory that dreams help you solve problems, or because it gives you that rest, and it also is the body's way of trying to solve something that's going on during during your waking hours. Like right. one of the largest reasons that lack of sleep is a problem is because you don't have you lose the ability to solve problems and it must be because you know like in your dream it's part of your cognitive activity it it helps with that and it's pretty cool uh in the documentary i don't remember the name of it it was like years ago but they had um people going through mazes like digital mazes right and then they would tell them to go to sleep and then after they slept they could go through the mazes easier uh than just going without the sleep so it's pretty it's pretty cool how it can help you in that way and maybe like back in the day when the kings were telling (laughs) telling their subjects we need to build this build this castle maybe there it was their brain inventing something or something that their brain needed to release uh, and could only do so at night when there were no other distractions having these new architectural feats yeah i I, you know it it's it's just again i love it because it really tells you so much about the person and even if you don't know the person again 
you know, so many students have asked me do this. And when I do, I just say, tell me a little bit about yourself because I can't just like, you know, guess. Right. And tell me what's going on right now in your life. And everyone says, oh, everything's fine. You know, that high pitched voice. And it's everything. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, it might be fine, but obviously you don't have an answer to a specific question. Right. And, and so that's the, the fact of dream interpretation. And I think that it allows solving problems but let's take it a couple of ticks back to and i mean centuries of when it was considered a premonition mm-hmm. so here's the debate that students ask me is are dreams premonitions or are they problem solvers oh yeah and i say it depends that's always the college answer <laughs> uh it all depends i think that sometimes dreams and we are very powerful in understanding that there's a sense of premonition to certain things. Mm-hmm. There, there's things where, where people talk, I can't even remember where I saw it, but it was literally someone who was questioning this exact thing. And and the person's answer to it was that it was someone who does not believe in, in psychics or premonitions or anything like that, very science-based. And, and they said, well, your brain is very good at determining the end result so the dream that you believe to be a premonition is really just your brain figuring it out okay and you are proceeding to see it in that end result so it's like predictive Mm -hmm. so you're just being predictive um which I would think is also a premonition. Well, you know what I I mean? honestly, like in that sense of the word, right? That could fall into what we believe that we only use a certain percentage of our brain. True. So that's power of the mind. Mm-hmm. So are we actually dreaming it, or we de- are determining it, and we're validating that through our sleep? So see how fascinating our brain is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, what we're really taking a look at is our brain and turning around and saying, oh, my God, it can do so much. And it's basically me putting a label on it. Oh, this is dream interpretation. This is premonition. This is fear. So what you're saying is to reach the height of our intelligence, we have to be sleeping constantly. Uh, well, I don't know about constantly, but I think that we need to be in a state that we allow our minds to do what it needs to do you hear it here folks yeah you have to be asleep constantly no i didn't say that well well, this is is all day long there is that you know the study of hypnosis where they they put you to sleep you know right and then um a lot of psychologists or psychiatrists that do hypnotherapy they they bring you back to solve the problem from the beginning. Right. So I'll use another example from Bling Empire because there was one of the guys. He's not one of the the rich people in the show. He he's he's adopted to a white family and he didn't know his mother, um, and he wanted to know more. Like you know why was I given up? Why didn't she want me? All this kind of stuff. So he went to the hypnotherapist that one of his friends recommended, and. She put him into a deep sleep, and every time she counted back, she would count back to the age. And she would say, you're now three, you're now two, you're now one, you're now in the womb. And he could recollect feelings that he had in the womb of his mother. And he started crying because he said, she didn't want me. She Mm -hmm. she was upset. She, She was, she, she, there was fear, there was anger. And she was upset. And um, then and he 
and when he woke up from it, it was like, how did I even like, I don't even right. know how I did. That was so weird. It was strange because he was in a deep sleep. Right. And, and, and again, that, that mind is incredibly powerful if we tap into it. So we, we, we see all those great examples that, you know, you two have given and you sit there and you say, okay, well, how does this really work? Is there such a thing as dream interpretation? Yeah. Or is it just solely our minds uh, narrating our life? Uh-huh. So, which is also a beautiful thing. So however we put it together, we take a look and we decide, well, am I, is this dream a premonition? Is this dream um, something that we we are trying to solve a problem? Or is this a, a dream just telling me what I'm supposed to know, which is to predict the future or determine? Mm-hmm. Is my mind so powerful that I can determine my future, but I'm just putting it in a more acceptable state, which is dream state, because then I have a protective way of saying, well, if it doesn't happen, that's okay. If it happens, that's okay. True. Now, talking about tapping into the mind, to wrap up this episode, Mama, would you like to interpret one of my dreams? I would love <laughs> wow. to. Now, Joke, I know you've had a dream like this, too, because we've talked about it before. Okay. Um, so, I've had dreams. This is a repeating dream that I had over the years. I haven't had this dream in about a year or two, I think, since, like, I finished college. And, you know, I want to give as much detail as possible so that, you know. Okay. The full picture. Go for it. I'm ready. Um, so I'll have a dream where I will either be in uniform, like school uniform, like the one that I went to, the private school I went to, um, or in a camp or a facility or a school or something, something, something where there's a lot of people there and I'll have to go to the bathroom. And when I go to the bathroom, there's either no stall available with, it's either that the stall isn't available or none of the stalls have actual stalls. Like I have uh, no coverage. The public restroom. The public is- restroom <laughs> yeah. nightmare. Yeah. And there's people who are like, what are you so worried about? Like just go to the bathroom or I'll have to go to the bathroom in the middle of a room in front of people. Okay. Before. No, she I just love this. <laughs> Before she interprets this dream, I found one. I have a picture on my phone somewhere in my archives. Um, the Chinese restaurant we that's closest to our house. Um, yeah. I for the first time I went to the restroom there a while ago, and it I saw it. no stalls. It was just an open restroom. There was one with a stall, but there was one without a stall. I was like, oh my gosh! So I took a picture. Of it. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so my first question to you will be, how did, how are you feeling? No, not how did it make it feel? How were you feeling when you were in that situation? Um, so sometimes I'll feel like angry. Sometimes I'll feel nervous. And then sometimes I'll just be like, why? Like, I'll just, I'll just, I feel confused. Like, I don't understand why I have to do this. Um, but like, I'll do it. Okay. I I mean, this is so beautiful only because I know you too. So that's like not fair. Uh, And not because I know you of this. This is enlightening to me because I'm like, oh, wow. Um, So one thing that I first noticed is how you described everyone being in uniform or structured. Mm -hmm. And the places you named were what? Like 
facilities. A facility, which is a structure. Yeah. Mm. What else? Schools, camps. A school, which has structure. Uh, A camp. All these things that have rules. Yeah. And then you go into this bathroom, Mm -hmm. right, where how vulnerable can it be when you go walk into a bathroom? That's your private time, right? And so here you are and you're exposed. Yeah. So it's a fear of... I have to, there's a structure that I have to follow, but this is who I really am. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you? (laughs) (laughs) What? No, no, not you. And, uh, and, and so, and then to top it off, sometimes you feel angry. Yeah. Sometimes you feel what? Uh, so sometimes it's angry, sometimes anxious, and sometimes I'm just like frustrated and confused. Okay. So depending on the f- location, the facility, the incident, because everywhere you go has structure. Yeah. So if you are in, let's, and I'm just going to throw this out there because I know you, but if be, I would be asking you, well, give me an example of where you have experienced a facility. So if you were to yeah. tell me, well, I was in on stage there's rules on stage yeah. you have to stand a certain place you have to do this you have to do that and and that might make you feel okay mm-hmm. but if you're at an office building or a meeting that has nothing to do with theater and there are all these rules and you might feel frustrated because you have to follow these rules and yeah. the biggest fear is walking into a room and not being able to be who you are because there's all this structure. There's all these rules around you. And that can cause frustration. That can cause anxiety. That can cause f- confusion. That can cause a lot of emotions. So once I you, you've given me this information, then we have a conversation of tell me what's going on in your life the past month. Uh-huh. And then you would be sharing with me whatever that is. Uh, because you had that dream. If you if you had the dream a year ago, well, I would have to say, well, what happened a year ago? What were yeah. you doing? And then it can, becomes a little bit more complex. That's why in everything we do, I love real time. I love people to text me their dreams and say, mm-hmm. I just had this weird dream. Right. Because now we're talking real time. Yeah. What happened a year ago, I still have nightmares. We lived in a neighborhood that wasn't safe when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And I was always afraid. And I still, if something provokes it, I will go back to that dream that I live in that house, that I feel like someone's breaking in, that, I mean, I will, I will think of four things and I will be the 10 year old person I was then. Mm -hmm. And the emotions and the feelings are exactly the same. And I'll wake up and I love interpreting my dream going, whoa, I need to work on that because that's (laughs) causing me a lot of fear and anxiety. Yeah. And um, so, you know, the place, the people, that doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. If I say, oh, my God, I dreamt that my dad was a clown. Oh, my God. It does, what does that mean about my dad? It means nothing about your dad. It means that there's an authority figure who scared you. Mm-hmm. And we start connecting the dots. But we try to be so uh, specific. We go, oh, well, I dreamt about a yellow cat. What does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. the yellow cat means nothing. Mm-hmm. tell me the story and and it's it, i i love it so much because it's so effective and it makes everyone feel okay so going back to you it's the same thing you have a certain something that when it comes to rules mm-hmm. it may cause you 
to be a little bit anxious, angry. Okay, well, let's talk about rules. How do you feel? And then we would go into that. You know, why does structure make you so nervous? Well, because you're, you know, I'm an improviser. (laughs) That's exactly, that's why I'm laughing because, you know, you, you're so, and, and honestly, improvising things means in my world, you're a problem solver. Mm. So that there are really not, there aren't many rules or specific rules. There is no rule book in problem solving Mm. and talk to any firefighter. And he will tell you, yes, we are trained to do this he to save she, lives. Is this because you've been watching 911? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I got busted, but it was a great analogy, folks. No, it's an amazing analogy. You're totally right. It's, but it's, when, when right. you look at like, I mean, law enforcement, if you're in the middle of a courtroom, doing the process case, is if positive. You're, if you're a chef, you right. Know. Well, they know that they, they go out with one mission to save lives, right? Hmm. I'm just going to put that out there. But the way they save it, She's having a bad dream. Our dog is having a bad dream. Medium <laughs> dream. Oh my god! It might not be bad. She just might be barking. Okay. Well, she's barking in her dream. So, uh, but so anyways, your, your yeah. firefighter analogy. So, so going back to the firefighter analogy, they know that they are there to save lives, and they have been trained to save lives. However, right. when they get to a location. That fire is unpredictable. The situation's unpredictable. Anything that is there, that wall, they didn't train to break down that specific wall. So again, you have to be a problem solver. So I think that, I think that your dream is saying that there's a lot of rules that I have to follow. Yeah. Maybe you went to a meeting and everybody hit you with these rules. But how do I do that when that's not me? Mm-hmm. And if it's not me, I'm breaking the rules and I'm exposed and there's the bathroom and, and there's no stalls and, mm-hmm. oh my God, they're going to yeah. realize that I can't, I'm not, this is not who I am, and but I can do it. I mean, there's a million things attached to that. Wow. Well, thank you for bringing this to the table today. Yeah, And I can awesome. talk for 10 more hours on this. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Call me. I'll interpret your dreams. <laughs> Call me. Yeah, this this was a really fun uh, episode of the podcast. Uh, don't forget that if you have any subjects that you would like to suggest to us, please make sure to go to www.thepercaffeinators.com. Scroll on down to the smiley face coffee cup and write in your suggestion there. Or you can go to our social medias. We have a Facebook and an Instagram called The Procaffeinators Podcast. And uh, just direct message us. What, what you got, man? We'll, we'll take yeah. it. We'll show talk us about what it. you got. Show, what, show me what you got. Spill the beans. Heck yeah. Um, so thank you again for sticking with us until the end of the episode. I hope you have a wonderful and safe rest of your week. My name is Alexandra. I'm Angelica. I'm Amy. We are the Procaffeinators. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.